It's actually a really good thing to be having tests because that means that that work on your neural architecture is going on in the background. The more you get tested, the more you're connecting up neurons with synapses. So I think that's a really important thing to say as well in terms of you know, patients around manifestation. Welcome to The Expanded Podcast with your host, Lacey Phillips. As a leading manifestation advisor with a process that's, well, radically different from the old New Age model, mine is rooted in psychology, neuroscience, and my energetic gifts. I created this podcast to help you expand your subconscious limiting beliefs about the potential of deserving the manifestations you're calling in. Therefore, you're tuning into this podcast series to show your subconscious that anything you desire is possible. And by pressing play, you've already started the process of manifesting it. Welcome back to another Explained episode, which has quickly become your favorite segment of the entire podcast, Expanded. In Explained, Dr. Tara Swart joins my co-host Jessica Gill and I in deep diving on specific themes within manifestation, which all of you love because it's where we bridge our process of manifestation with neuroscience and psychology and the deep science that anchors it all together. Back in July, Dr. Tara Swart joined us as our psychology and neuroscience advisor. And why we handpicked her, besides the fact that she's so unbelievably marvelous, she has a PhD in neuroscience and a former medical career as a psychiatrist of seven years. She's also a senior lecturer and on faculty at MIT, no big deal, and senior lecturer at King's College. She's currently working on research projects on plasticity and epigenetics. She has Google Talks. LinkedIn, Facebook, and two TED Talks. She's also the author of three books, her latest being The Source. So let's get into another Explained episode where Dr. Tara and I break down the energetics and science of manifestation, offering a roundtable perspective on the deep intricacies and connection. Here goes. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Explained with Lacey Phillips and Dr. Tara Swart. Let's kick it off with a quote. Today, we're going to dive into tests, which is a really vital part of the manifestation process. And if you don't know what a test is or how to define it, trust me, you will by the end of this episode. Tests are not pass-fail. They are simply opportunities for me to stop settling for old patterns and get closer to my manifestation. So I actually wanted to share something that um, the social team, Kay and Grace, had shared on Instagram, which is that we face tests every single day. If you think about your car that won't start, an emotional trigger that shows up in a difficult conversation, a friend pushing your boundaries, a dreamy yet emotionally unavailable suitor or a boss that refuses to respect you, it seems that tests are really presented to us almost on a daily basis in various ways. And from my understanding of tests, it seems like it's the universe's way of asking and showing us where else can we grow. Lacey, Dr. Tara, welcome. How would you guys start to define and boil down the idea of tests. Yeah, so I'll kick that off. So such a such an interesting concept that when I used to practice old what I sometimes called rhetoric manifestation, new age manifestation, think positive, um, nothing like this was ever spoken about. And I started to notice when I dropped all of that and I watched what I did when and started to figure out the patterning around manifestation, I would always be tested when I was stepping into a new level, for lack of a better word, because often when we're manifesting something, it's greater than we already are. An example of that could be with partnership. I had you know, been a doormat for many years, like the LA doormat, following my heart, doing all the things wrong and, you know, constantly having the emotionally unavailable person. And so when I let that go and I was like, I'm ready to actually really call in the person I want, 
that's when I started to realize that self-worth is more of the law of attraction than positivity. So in alignment with self-worth, what I figured out in manifestation is we're just attracting the same worth. The worth of what we want is, you know, having to match and equal the worth of where we're at. That's how we connect together. That's the real law of attraction. And I started to notice that because we tend to manifest greater than we already are, usually we're being asked to grow our self-worth, our deservingness, to step into a higher level of that to match what we're wanting. And therefore, whatever's happening in that weird vortex, that magnetic pull of what you want to you, the universe begins to test you. And it's asking you, and it's literally this, will you settle for the things you used to settle for in the past? Because what I came to believe in manifestation is the universe's only objective for us in this lifetime is to get back into that whole worthy, authentic self that we were born as or what our soul is. And, you know, going through the world, we experience pain, shame, programming that kind of creates this onion layer around us. And therefore, our job now in manifestation is to peel those onion layers back and get to that true authenticity. So anywhere where we're a doormat or we're settling or we have low self-worth isn't really ours. Truthfully, it's something we've picked up through conditioning along the way. Again, may it have been pain, shame, or programming. So I think that that's really why the universe tests you because basically it's kind of preparing you to grow into this next level, which is so interesting that it's the word growth, because essentially you're just coming back into yourself, your truer, more authentic self, but you will be tested. So the lower your self-worth was prior. So going back to my example of dating, you know, and I was doing all the things wrong. I was like sleeping with people too soon. I was like coming over too late. I mean, just really low self-worth behavior that I think many of us have probably been at just not knowing better. And for me, it was, you know, just the way that I had grown up and how I valued myself. And so when it came to actually manifesting in the true partner, where the worth was greater than where I was, I was tested each time. And so that testing process tends to, and we can get into this later, but tests show up in two different ways, opportunities or triggers. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. So when you're being tested with, say, going into dating new suitors, It'll be the universe literally asking you, are you going to settle for low self-worth behavior or are you going to pass this and be in your worth, like unbashingly, unafraid? And what you said, Jessica, is so important. Tests aren't pass or fail. I just energetically don't know a better way to describe them because if you do quote unquote fail a test, which that's why fail isn't the best word here, you'll just receive another one. So it's not like you're pushing your manifestation away. It's not like you've you know done something really bad. In fact, with when I did work with clients, I would often tell them to run into the fire and burn yourself so bad that you are never tested with that thing again. Like you've learned your lesson and you're not tempted by the old emotionally unavailable thing, the toxic job, whatever the circumstance might be. But yes, you will be tested. And the closer you get to your manifestation, the more subliminal the tests become, the harder to define. And in How to Manifest, the way I could energetically describe them is it's kind of like a carrot's being dangled in front of you. And it's like, are you going to take the carrot? Or are you going to really, really own your worth, what you want, your desires, and really say no to anything that isn't that? So that's kind of in a nutshell, energetically, how I discovered Tess. And many people listening who maybe haven't experienced this process yet, it would be really common when I would talk about it, people would be like, oh my gosh, you're right. I am always tested and I never really noticed that. So I'll kick it over to you, Dr. Tara. Thank you. Um, you've basically said it all, but I, so I want to reiterate and just expand on a couple of things that you said. I really like the way it's written in the workshop because it's so real where it says, are you going to settle for the same shitty thing you've settled for before? Like that's actually a question that we should ask ourselves when presented with this sort of choice. And I think that even thinking about things like, should I date that guy as a test gives you that sense of perspective because when you're emotionally involved in a situation, you lose perspective. If it's your friend that you're advising, it's much easier to say, that's not what you said you wanted or you know, don't rush in too soon. So acknowledging that, okay, this is a test from the universe allows you to sort of have that conversation with yourself that you'd have with a friend or a well-meaning friend would have with you. And I do actually see that 
dating is the place that this really shows up a lot. And what you tend to see is yourself or other people settling. And to me, settling is the opposite of being expanded or manifesting. If you settle, the thing is, you know, like you've said, there's no pass or fail. But if you go out with someone because you fear I'll never meet someone better or someone else again, you're just wasting time because you will realize at some point that that wasn't right for you. And then you'll have to start again. So passing tests is a way of accelerating your manifestations. I love that. Really quick, I want to interject with a quick psychology question, or maybe this is a brain question. When you said that, you know, when you're emotionally involved, because there is a process, for instance, in our workshop on block love, where I do suggest not sleeping with whomever for a certain amount of time that you're courting or dating or vice versa, simply because we all know brain chemistry, once the hormones get involved, it's much harder, especially for a female, just simple biochemistry. After we've slept with somebody, we're much more attached to them. So our decision making is much more muddled and we're not able to see red flags. So coming from that perspective, and this could be applicable to anything, jobs, whatever, me, I'm in the process of manifesting the next retreat house. And there's many times where I've been like, "Mm, I could just, I could make that work. What's going on there when you're in the thick of it, in your brain, and you're willing to settle, such as you said, if you were advising a friend, it's so much easier to see from the outside. So two things, one specific to love and one more general. So um, I'm really glad you mentioned the chemistry of, of sex, basically, because so when women have an intimate relationship with someone, they release floods of the hormone oxytocin, that's the bonding hormone. And so female orgasm is is related to the hormone oxytocin. And so what oxytocin does is it makes you feel warm, it lowers your guard, and it makes you feel really bonded to the person. And actually oxytocin underlies childbirth, the bond with newborn baby, and it also actually underlies the production of breast milk. And it's very much part of being in love and it's part of, for women, it's, it's part of sexual relationships. Interestingly, in men, if men have sex with someone, they, they definitely release a lot of testosterone, but they only release oxytocin if they love the person. So that's why, you know, I mean, it's sort of, people always say that if women have sex with someone, then they, you know, tend to get attached, but men don't. But it's because men can have sex and only release testosterone. But women, if they have sex, they, they get oxytocin, which immediately implies bonding and leads to bonding. So, so that's, you know, I think worth knowing about in terms of the chemistry. In terms of general, when we're experiencing strong emotions, and particularly the survival emotions, which the very basic ones are fear, anger, disgust, shame, and sadness, then we release a lot of the stress hormone cortisol. And that biases our decision making. So it's all to do with avoiding loss. So the gearing in the brain psychologically is twice as strong to avoid loss as it, as it is to get a reward. If you make a list you know, of, of the person that you want to meet and you hold out for that, then you're basically holding out for a reward. But if you settle, then you're avoiding loss because loss is being single, being the only person in your group that doesn't have a partner, not getting invited to things that are for couples only. And, you know, potentially down the road, feeling like it might become too late to have children and all that sort of thing. So when we're emotional and it's got a negative hint to it, like, you know, I'll never meet anyone, everybody else is getting engaged and married, then we've got more of the stress hormone in our brain, which is biasing our decision making to just not wanting to lose out. And that's why you're much more likely to jump into something that isn't good enough because you fear that you won't get anything else. That is so important to talk about further and break down. This is how science and the energetics of tests can really merge because what we are doing, you know, what we're being called to do is create magnetism by walking through the fears, just as you described, where we settle is based on those. And tell me what that is again, what those five clump together. What is that called? The survival emotions are fear, anger, disgust, shame, and sadness. There are obviously a lot more, but they're the basic ones. That's the key. Exactly what you're describing, what people come up against, and it's the fear. It's the survival. It's all the cortisol-inducing 
you know, what if I lose out on this? I'm too old or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, whatever the thing can be. We are being called to walk past that fear. And that's what creates the magnetism because in that we're communicating to the universe that our worth and our deserving is so strong that we know that we deserve and can have what we want. And so coming from your perspective, because I don't have any of that expertise of how to help the person walk through those fears easier, trust that process more. And I know that our brain can really stop that based on everything you talked about, especially if we've experienced trauma in these different areas, or we've been programmed that we can't have these certain things and we have blocks. What would you say to that to help the process of walking through and being able to face your fears and get on the other side to create that magnetism? So um, let me start by talking about the whole emotional spectrum, because we've only talked about the survival part. So at the other end is love and trust. So, you know, I've already said that love aligns with the hormone oxytocin, but so does trust. And so you've talked about the trust in the process. So we need to push ourselves away from the cortisol state towards the oxytocin state. And then in between those two states is the emotion surprise that aligns to a hormone called noradrenaline or norepinephrine in the the States. And that is a potentiator emotion. And noradrenaline can push you either towards survival or towards attachment. It can flip you from one to the other. So sometimes asking yourself a surprising question or talking to somebody and asking them to challenge you can be helpful. But really, what we need to know is that in evolution, we were wired to have more survival emotions and to have loss aversion because physically, that's how our species was equipped to survive. In the modern world, that doesn't actually really serve us. So we have to work really hard to keep ourselves in the oxytocin state. And so neuroplasticity and manifestation practice that's backed by neuroplasticity helps us to do that. Because when we're in the grips of the fear, our brain actually puts together emotion and memories and dredges up the worst memories of what's happened to you in that scenario before. So for example, if you you know turned down a date with someone before, and then you ended up being single for a year, you'll remember that more than you remember the times that you turned down a date and then you met a really great guy. So The amygdala, which is where the emotions come from, and the hippocampus, which is where memories are laid down, they work together to actually bring up your worst case scenarios of what happened the last time you made this decision. That's why it's so important to do the work, to always overwrite these negative thoughts, beliefs, memories with the potential and opportunities that could be if you were in your full worth, if you were manifesting, if you were expanded. So you're saying the answer here, when people are faced with tests and they, all of that's coming up for them, the fear, the survival, the cortisol is flooding. You're saying that the answer is to really turn to a DI or to do the work around it, to overwrite. That's what's going to help you walk past the fear. I think it's even a bit more than, than what you've said, Lacey. Turning to a DI in that moment wouldn't be enough, but daily practice of DIs would you know, make you able to change states. If you wait till you're in a state like that and you do a DI, well, like I told you I did today, then you know it could definitely make you feel better. But it, it's the daily practice that makes you able to get yourself out of that state quicker. You know, I mean, it's okay to have a bad day because a relationship broke up. It's okay to mourn that for, for some period of time. But there has to come a time where you decide that you're going to pick yourself up and move forward again and not make either the same mistake or a, a poor decision based on that bad experience in future. So I really think daily practice is necessary because like I said, we're actually soft wired to default to wanting to avoid loss and to experiencing survival emotions. So it's actually really hard work to keep ourselves in the other state most of the time. I agree. Yeah. Uh, So one other thing I wanted to, and you guys were like so intuitive because this is all in my brief for the questions, but the potentiator emotion, how can someone like acknowledge and witness when that emotion is potentially coming up to help them swing from, you know, seeing a test in a new light, like moving towards those more secure emotions, certain factors to think about, certain physiological things that's happening when that emotion arises? What does that look like? So the way I describe the potentiator emotion is that it's 
either like being on a roller coaster or watching a horror movie when you don't know if you're going to cry and scream or burst out laughing in the next millisecond. Now, obviously, external events can very easily push you from the attachment emotions like love and trust towards the survival emotions. So like, you know, a breakup that you didn't expect is a really good example of moving from attachment to survival. In terms of moving yourself the other way, so it's not about waiting till you feel like you're hovering. It's about doing things to put yourself into the state where you can hover and you can have more agency over pushing yourself into attachment. And actually, a lot of the things that we talk about can be really useful for that, like journaling, for example. So if you keep a journal and let's say you've just had a breakup or you've got a choice to make about dating someone and you go back and see what you wrote the last time you had a breakup or the last time you were thinking, should I date this guy or not? That could really help you because you might feel very surprised by the fact that you're going through exactly the same process if you haven't worked to change that. Or even if you have, you know, when presented with an unexpected life event, it's very easy to go back to however you've behaved before. So, you know, a good example is, you know, you get dumped by your boyfriend and then you, you know, your pattern may be that you immediately get onto a dating app and try to date as many people as possible and, you know, maybe jump into bed with them too quickly because your decision-making is, is not at its best. Or it could be the opposite, a little bit like what Lacey said about run into the fire and get burnt so strongly that you never make that mistake again. It may be that, especially with things like divorce, where there's all legal and financial matters and maybe children involved, that, you know, you may say, I'll never get married again. So it can push you either way. But what you need to know is what your pattern is. And just to make a quick disclaimer for everybody listening is that we're just to make this very inclusive as well. We want to make sure that because we're three hetero women talking about this, that this is equally as applicable to, aside from the simple biochemistry that you were talking about earlier of the release of testosterone and oxytocin, but that this is all equally as applicable to same sex relationships, whatever one identifies with. And I just really want to call in and, and make sure that everybody's included in this conversation. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. I was actually thinking that as I, as I was speaking, but things like marriage, children, that obviously can apply to any type of relationship. You know, we're obviously very privileged in the UK that marriage can and does apply to not just the heterosexual relationship. So yeah, that, that's definitely what I meant. But thank you for saying that. Okay, so let me just surmise here before we go further, because I feel like we just covered a lot of really, really heavy hitting things. So essentially, tests are coming at us to show us where we potentially have settled. We'll kind of break down very specific examples of what those look like, whether it's a suitor coming at you or whether you have an emotional trigger. So the opportunity test or the trigger test. However, the tests are an opportunity to look at your emotional state to see where you may have not been aligned with your authentic self and to rewire some of your fear-based programming. So those survival-based emotions that maybe have been on autopilot and that's how you were making decisions through life. Now it's bringing those autopilot decisions to the surface so you can now see it as a test and start to take action behind the scenes to see it in a different light and to choose a different path. So I would imagine in, you know, let's say passing a test or choosing a different route instead of those survival emotions, you know, making a decision based off of fear, anger, disgust, sadness, and shame. So instead of choosing something in that route, you are now able to do a DI, to do journal prompts. And then when the test presents itself, you eventually become on autopilot to choose something that's towards, you know, trust and love and joy and the secure attachment type. I agree. On the energetic level, when you're working through tests, the more you begin to pass them and see a reward at the other side, which is what happens in manifestation, you tend to manifest a better thing because you didn't settle. What it starts to create is what I call the trust muscle. And so this is so great that we're highlighting the sort of science and pathway around creating that deeper trust and trust muscle, which I think for me, I've always recognized that personally, 
the more I was rewarded on the other end, it was much easier for me to switch out of that, you know, survival space into the, no, it's cool. I can trust in the universe. This process works for me always into that trust. So I love that you touched on that as well, because energetically, that's the intention for people. And isn't it amazing that it's the trust muscle and trust and oxytocin are correlated? Oh, totally. Yeah. I love that. Even just thinking, okay, I'm in a state of trust. State of trust is a neurological chemical compound that's occurring in the brain. And realizing, oh, it's not just this feeling I have. It's literally my cells and my neurons are are wired and releasing certain chemicals in order to make me feel like this, which is really very interesting. Absolutely. One other piece I wanted to touch on too to see how it's connected value tagging. So you had described value tagging in a recent episode and how our brain assigns importance to every piece of information that we're exposed to. And the emotional component of value tagging will assign value based off of our levels of social safety. So let's say we're disproportionately creating value towards something that we fear of uncertain. Can exposing tests and sort of working through tests through reprogramming journal prompts, can that reassign the value tag? So where we would have seen something as potentially a threat before, now we're not threatened by it anymore? Yeah, such a good question. And the answer is absolutely yes. So basically, I'm trying to think of a different example. I just think that the romantic relationship is the best example. I think it really resonates with people. I think, I don't know if it was the last podcast or the one before I said, the place that you really see someone's intuition telling them something that they don't listen to is when they know they should be out of a relationship that they're in. And so this is kind of the opposite of that, because a lot of the work that we do together is about the subconscious belief that's under the thoughts that you're having. So if you say, for example, you know, I want to be in a relationship, it's what's underneath that, that helps the brain to value tag. So if it's because I don't want to be the last single person in my group, then you can see how you would be presented with a test of somebody, you know, like you said, who's fits some of the criteria, but isn't really kind to you or doesn't really listen to you. You can see how you would settle because it would appease the value tag of, I don't want to be single. If you're in high self-worth and your subconscious belief is that I deserve to be with someone who's really kind, who treats me really well, who's, you know, a mutual partner, and that if I don't get that, it's okay to be single, you can see how you would make a different decision when faced with a choice of a person or even, you know, a a choice of, of who to go out with out of several suitors. That's so powerful. That's so interesting. I wonder if it's helpful if we also give some other examples of how you can be tested, because I always use as well relationships as there's such clear examples of the manifestation process. And it's something that's pretty universal. We've all pretty much dealt with. But what would be some other examples? And maybe we could even all share ways that we've been tested and kind of defining the difference between trigger tests and opportunity tests since they present in in separate ways. I'll let you first take the floor on this, Jessica, because I know you have some things prepared around that. So tests can really present in two different ways, triggers and opportunities. And triggers can be anything that creates an emotional or egoic reaction from you. It doesn't necessarily have to be associated with what you're manifesting. You usually hit a trigger when a person or situation makes you activated and react in a way of judgment, anger, low self-worth, sadness, pain, jealousy, etc. And it is a mirror of what needs to be integrated. Whereas opportunities, you can see more as like the dangling carrot and in front of your face of whether you're going to make the same sort of shitty mistake from your past. So an example of a, a trigger versus an opportunity for me, let's say I'll give a personal example. So a trigger would be if I'm having a conversation with a group of friends and let's say I perceive something they said to be offensive or rude. And I was kind of reading the text through the lens of like, this person is being so judgy and I don't like the way they're responding. So I then in turn, I'm like, oh, why are they so mean? I don't like that they're doing that. And now I have this emotional response in me where 
I'm upset, I'm offended by them, and I'm not feeling good in my body at all. And so the way I can be tested is, am I going to show up and A, be able to see clearly why I was so personally offended by, let's say, this comment? And let's say for me, one of my things that I work on is making sure I'm setting clear boundaries and asserting my needs and not people pleasing. So if someone says something that I found offensive or took to heart in a certain way, the test that I perceive in that situation is, can I voice to them my emotions in a clear concerned way without reacting emotionally? And try to get a healing around it and try to work with them to see my perspective and see how that might be offensive. And can they honor my boundaries? And then an opportunity test would be more something like I'm calling in a new apartment and one has almost everything on my list except for, you know, I can hear the neighbors upstairs and they're super loud, even just on viewing the apartment. And I know I want peace and and quiet and privacy. So I know that that's not going to be the building that I'm going to move into. That's kind of how I see and understand some of two different situations of tests. And the opportunity one is more, are you going to settle? It's really connected to the manifestation a lot of the times, whereas the trigger could be more internal work that you're moving through. Yeah, those are two great examples. And one thing for people to note, often with the trigger test, you'll see that they tend to come in in multiples, anchoring down into the same root issue. You know, an example of this could be somebody who's manifesting more money and they're being hit out of nowhere with unexpected bills, you know, a family member they have to lend money to, they need to help out, things like that that test their lack mentality or their prior survival, you know, fears rather than being in trust. Are you worthy enough? Are you deserving enough, aka trusting in the universe enough that it will provide these newer things you've been manifesting through the process of unblocking and expanding? So that's an example of how trigger tests can present. Whereas an opportunity, say you're manifesting more abundance and in the money, unblocked money workshop, we call this opening portals. You're opening new portals by asking for a raise, or maybe you're opening new portals by calling in and pivoting to a better company or whatever that could be. Opportunity tests would show up just as as Jessica just defined. It would be in maybe at your current company that you're calling in a raise that they're willing to offer you everything else you're wanting out of a new company, but the pay or vice versa. If you're calling in a new company, it's a a new company that looks like it has all the bells and whistles, but the pay and maybe even the boss resembles the treatment of the old boss that used to be toxic. There's many ways it can show up, but that would be a clear example because I know a lot of people are very focused on that during this climate. The two ways that trigger tests can show up and certainly opportunity tests around money. I was just wondering if this is a good example, because it's something that we've all done and that I know a lot of our members want to do and ask about, which is moving from a a stable job with a paycheck to starting up your own business or practice. That's obviously a big choice that has a lot of uncertainty around it. So basically, you know, it's easy to stay in the job and dream about having, you know, your own practice. So what would be the tests around that sort of scenario? Sure. So they certainly could present in similar ways. And it's so funny because there are so many nuances to manifestation and this exact transition process. So number one, I just want to say this, and this isn't at all to sell our course, but we did really beef up the unblocked money to include a lot of the nuances that we never talked about before, because we'd only talk about the energetics. But in there, we include things like, if you want to be an entrepreneur, the next steps you need to take and more step by step processes. If you're asking for a raise, we link out to great resources for that. So just to give people that heads up too. And we also and again, this isn't a plug, but it's because learning the nuances are what make people very, very successful in this process. And we have a couple of supporteds that are specific to just money. So if you are a Pathway member, go utilize that. Click on old supported episodes and you will certainly find some that say that they're just money because you will figure out so many nuances in that. 
But examples of that testing could come in similar ways, you know, rather than the opportunity ones, for instance, rather than it being a boss situation, it could be clients that are taking advantage of you, maybe that they want to use you for free. So that's how opportunities can show up. You're calling in the certain clients you want, and they're testing you based on pushing your boundaries. And we will get in, I know Jessica is going to get into the ways to spot a test. And then also simultaneously trigger tests could be very similar to the ones I outlined before. May it be unexpected bills, having to drain your savings out of nowhere, and it's all coming down to that trust. So I'm quickly interrupting this episode to invite you if you're ready to start your manifestation journey, or if anything you've heard in our manifestation episodes has piqued your interest to begin. We have a la carte workshops in everything from the basics bundle, which is what we recommend to everyone who starts. It's the formula that actually teaches you how to manifest, unblocked inner child, and unblocked shadow. We also have a la carte workshops on love and money. But the real gem is the Pathway membership because it encompasses every single workshop we have. It's a year-long membership with full access to the few a la carte offerings we have and exclusive workshops not available anywhere else, such as the daily practice, which is what everybody in the Pathway uses, hopefully at least three times a week to daily in order to truly create the new neural pathways that one needs in order to manifest and houses the library of our deep imaginings, which is our unique hypnosis process that allows you to get into your subconscious and overwrite those old neural pathways, creating the new ones. You can use our special code EXPANDED, all caps, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D, to receive $20 off your first a la carte workshop purchase or $20 off your first month of the pathway. Again, that's all caps, EXPANDED, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D. Okay, now back to the episode. too, we could actually go around and do some examples that have come up for us recently of either trigger tests or opportunity tests, just what's come up in the past year. I love the roundtable pieces because I feel like even though they're so specific to each of us individually, they are a little taste of what's happening in the collective at large. Sure. I've actually thought of one whilst we've been speaking, which is that I had made this decision to move away from so much, you know, largely corporate work to doing more work around manifestation and the laws of attraction and things like that. And literally in the week where I decided, okay, that that's what I'm going to do. I got so many requests for podcasts that were corporate And so I got a few and I thought, no, you know, I've made this decision. I'm going to say no to that. And that was okay. But by the end of the week, I got one request from a sweet friend who I've mentored. I've actually been on her podcast before. And I thought, I have to say no, because this is the decision I've made. But normally I would never say no to a friend, but I felt like this is a test. So I have to, I found that quite hard. And then one came from nowhere, a a woman who'd, given me a great work opportunity in the past, had just set up a podcast and asked me to be on it. And so I wrote back and I said, look, I've, you know, I'm working really hard on this decision I've made to do less corporate podcasts. So it's just really not good timing. And the lovely thing was that when I, like you've just said in, you know, your, your trigger example, when I was clear about my boundary, I actually got a really positive and understanding response from her. And that really taught me a lot about tests because I don't know what you imagine when you you know, you're afraid to turn down a potential test. You maybe think that the person is going to be really upset with you or that you've let them down and all these sorts of things. So it was really good to see that when you do actually do what you said you would, that it doesn't necessarily have that bad outcome that, you know, we talked about before how your brain makes you think that all these bad things will happen. Passing a test actually shows you that that's not necessarily true. And I think too, another way that, I mean, even that I've been tested a lot recently And this is kind of a good example because I've done a lot of work on lack mentality and and feeling in fear and kind of hoarding my money and 
very careful to spend and all of those things. And so I feel, especially in the past year, I'm at like a really good state and understanding with that. And then in the past month, I got so many unexpected bills. So many things popped out of the woodwork. My rent wound up climbing up higher. I had a technical, you know, equipment fail that I had to replace. I had to repay renter's insurance that came up randomly. Just all of these things that were like pretty steep bills. And in the past, I would have panicked, freaked out, been saving my money even more scarcely, scared to spend, which really is communicating to the universe. I don't feel like any new money is coming to me anymore. There's no opportunity for new money to come in through any sort of portal. You're really closed off. And instead of seeing it that way, I was like, okay, I could very clearly see these are tests huh, I wonder what's coming next. What is coming around the corner? And so one of the big things that I stepped off a huge cliff was being disconnected from my mom financially. She had paid for all of my flights home during the holidays. And that was amazing for all the times. And I'm so thankful that she was able to do that. But it wasn't until I said, no, this is my responsibility. I'm going to pay for all of these flights, even though it's a beautiful gift. You know, I really got into a secure place and out of lack with money. So one of the items that I ordered somehow went to her Amazon card instead of mine. And she's like, oh, it's fine. Consider it a gift. I'll pay for it. And I was like, no, absolutely not. Like I'm being tested so something can come through. If I let you pay for it, something's not going to come through. And right after I got an unexpected back taxes check in the mail that almost covered all of the expenses. It was so quickly the shift between all of those tests and then the manifestation of it coming through. So I remember you telling me about some of the testimonials on the website for manifesting money and that they were quite impressive. So I went and looked. So I think that reading things like that, hearing the stories that we've shared, if you're aware that you're being presented with tests and you remember these positive outcomes, then it's doubly helpful. It's one thing to be aware, but remembering other people's stories of having gone through tests and getting a good outcome is, is just really helpful to override that you know, negative memory dredging action of the brain. And one thing for everybody listening to be very excited about is internally, as many of you know, we've been working with Dr. Tara to go through the workshops and really back them by science and put more neuroscience specific and effective processes in there. And one specifically we're really looking at is the daily reprogramming exercise. So a bit of what you're talking about now is something to look forward to is there's going to be different steps that are very effective and overriding old loops that no longer serve us in order to truly effectively create these new ones. So the process that you talked about when you're in the midst of it, going to read or, or recounting and remembering other people's experience, what exactly does that do in the brain when you're faced with a test, like when you're in the thick of it? So that speaks to the whole seeing is believing kind of aspect. So we actually, um, you did a post that featured me recently talking about examples like when Roger Bannister first ran the sub four minute mile. And before that, people thought it was humanly impossible, but soon afterwards, several people did it. So it's basically about either working hard to override those negative memories and recall times in the past where you've passed a similar test and telling yourself that you've done it before so you can do it again. Or if you haven't got an example of your own, then it's about having expanders or just other examples of people facing similar tests and then making the decisions that we've described or that you see on the testimonials. And so just knowing that that can happen helps the brain to not default to that, that fear state of if I don't take this job offer or if I don't accept this salary or if I don't date this guy, then I'll never have any opportunities again. It reminds you that actually people who pushed back on a salary offer often got a higher one. People who thought that they'd run out of funds and all these bills were flowing in, sometimes get a repayment of their taxes. So it's just helpful in terms of overwriting the, the natural default of negative memories that can happen when you're faced with a test. Wonderful. And then for those steps of spotting a test, so we have sort of kind of your checklist of what to look for 
you're like, is this a test? I'm not sure. A, does it impede on your boundaries that you've set for yourself? So the one that I said earlier, there's a certain level in which I want to be spoken to and have respect with my, you know, close friends. And so like checking in, did this person cross a boundary of how I want to be spoken to and what that looks like? That could be in any relationship in your life, family, friends, coworkers, et cetera. Or even with yourself, I notice, you know, if you cross a boundary with how your inner critic is speaking to itself, uh, if you wouldn't talk to a friend like that, why do you talk to yourself like that and kind of checking in with that? B, do you feel shame or embarrassment regarding it? So for a test, if the job offer that you were thinking of taking makes you feel, you know, embarrassed or shameful to take it because it feels like you're really settling below your worth, it's probably a test. And then the last one, does it make you settle or feel small? That feeling that you're not playing in your full authenticity, this really doesn't feel aligned with who you truly are, and you're kind of people pleasing yourself in a way that that's probably a really good indicator that you're facing a test. And yeah, so that's really important to identify and spot a test. May it be an opportunity or a trigger, you can always walk it through those three and we'll have them in the show notes as well. And for the person who's just curious as well where the deeper education on tests lives, we talk about it, I think, in every workshop, but how to manifest if you are a new Pathway member, if you're thinking about joining the Pathway, when you go to how to manifest, it breaks down the step-by-step process of manifestation. Therefore, you learn about tests in there. And I think it's so important because of all those, you know, the various ones that you described, Jessica, when you settle, you don't necessarily have much insight into that because, you know, that conversation that you have in your head about, should I settle for this? It's so easy to tell yourself all the reasons that you should. And so I think that proactively doing the tests work will help you to decipher whether, you know, all the reasons you give yourself are real and good enough and, you know, at the level of your worth or whether you're settling. Absolutely. Another good resource that we have is the test DI. You can find it in the DRE section. But essentially, if you're kind of confused about if you are in a test or facing a test, or if you're confused on what should you choose, like what is right for your authentic self, if you're confused, like, I don't know, this job kind of feels like authentic self, but I feel like there's compromises and you're just unsure, that test DI really helps break down getting into the hypnotic state so you're able to really access your authentic self, not in a fear-based situation in that rest and digest level. So you can start to think clearly about, okay, does this feel aligned with me or not? And then you can usually journal out some really good responses afterwards. Yeah. So with tests, usually when they present in manifestation, so we have the processes, you know, of calling in, you start the unblocking process, you start finding your expanders, et cetera. When tests start to present themselves, it's actually a really good sign. It means you're moving energy. So for the person who's like, nothing's happening, it's usually because they're not unblocking properly and they haven't found expanders. Those are the two foundational things that need to be at play to start to communicate to the universe that your energy is up-leveling, that it is shifting, that you are getting more into that level of worth of the thing you're calling in. And that's usually what will create the vortex of starting to pull in tests to you. You know, it means that that something's orbiting you that you've been calling in, but you're just preparing your self-worth, your deservingness to align with it. So at that point, you would start to see tests after the unblocking or during the unblocking and expanding phase. What is the average time frame or what do you notice patterns between when you guys start to receive a lot of tests in one subject and when a manifestation comes through for you? I think it's really tricky to say the actual timeline because I always feel like it sort of happens in hindsight. So you have all these tests and then sort of nothing happens for a while. And then it sort of feels like from nowhere the manifestation happens. And it's only really if you take the time to reflect and look back that you think, oh yeah, I had all those tests and now this thing has happened. So that's that's my experience, but I'd love to actually know what Lacey thinks of the timeline. 
Yeah, I think for everybody, it's it's different and varies. So it really depends, especially where someone's worth was at before in ratio to what they're calling in. So if their their worth was very low, they were very much settling, very low self-worth behavior, they'll probably start to see tests a lot quicker because they have to move through a few to get to the thing that's orbiting towards them. However, if it's a person who's really been unblocking and they've really been doing this process for a long time and integrating or they just get it and they've been integrating very quickly, the test can sort of, they just, it varies. It can not be very many tests before the thing comes through. So it all is in ratio to where your self-worth is based on what you're calling in. And it's interesting too, because when you start to become the person who manifests a lot and builds that trust muscle and has done a ton of unblocking work and expanding work, your tests most often tend to become more trigger-based than they are opportunity-based. And they become a lot more subtle. So it really is so personal and unique to everybody based on where they are, where their self-worth is in ratio to what they're calling in. And I just want to highlight for anyone, because I know we get this question a lot of like, I just had a bunch of tests and now it's been a month. Why hasn't my manifestation come through yet? Part of the test, it's really a test also in the surrender of releasing the control of when your manifestation comes through. So if you pass all these tests and you're like, cool, I deserve the manifestation now, that's another form of sort of kind of controlling your outcome. And I think leaning more into that surrender piece of, okay, I'm cool whenever my manifestation comes through. I know it's coming, period. I don't need to worry about the timeline specifically. I'm confident through this next phase. And that's, you know, as you start to almost dip into the magic dark, which is a whole nother concept. I'm sure we'll touch on another time. But I just want people to know and hear and understand it's so nuanced passing tests is going to give you situational magnetism and put you in an elevated state because you made a decision for yourself and you're up leveling and your worth is up leveling. But don't have so much attachment to a very specific timeline because it can be so different. And to touch on that note, getting into the energetic of what you just said, we've broken this down in a whole supported episode as well. But what you're referring to, because I, I could probably feel a lot of people hearing what you were saying, Jessica, and having their hearts sink to be like, oh, God, I have to wait longer for my manifestation. And what Jessica is referring to is that dog paddling energy. It's more energetic based where when you get to the place of understanding and trusting and knowing your, your trust muscle and deservingness. So essentially, when you're out of that dog paddling, phase, it signifies more worth and more deservingness. And it's not something that you can fake. It's something you arrive at. So that's what you were talking about. It's another level of worth of trust of knowing and deservingness. And that I think comes over time as you build your trust muscle. I'll kick it over to you, Dr. Tara. The neural correlation of that is, and this is the reason I say why daily practice is so important, is that as you are connecting up neurons through their synapses and strengthening that connection and building up thicker pathways in your brain for your self-worth, for whatever you're trying to manifest, that takes time. And we've said before that repetition and emotional intensity, they, you know, aid that process. And the, you know, the magnetism is a very intense emotion. It's the, you know, really, really wanting this thing and knowing that it's the right thing to want. It basically is that there's a tipping point where enough neurons have connected up through synapses and created a strong pathway in your brain that that now becomes the default pathway rather than the way, you know, what you used to believe or the way you used to think or the things you used to settle for. And so it's actually a really good thing to be having tests because that means that that work on your neural architecture is going on in the background. The more you get tested, the more you're connecting up neurons with synapses in, you know, in the right direction. So I think that's a really important thing to say as well in terms of patience around manifestation. But you're completely right, Jessica, because once you get it and you know it works and you've got good examples in yourself and from other people of it working, then the process does accelerate. I love that. I think that's so, I mean, even just to be able to see a test, because I, I think a lot of people, especially if you're having a trigger test, which you're going to react potentially emotionally to, I think a lot of people might be fearful of them. They might feel uncomfortable. This is sort of like a new playing field for them to be in. But to see them as 
opportunities, as ways to change your patterning, as ways to feel more secure, to align with yourself, to really deepen the neural pathways in the direction that you're hoping to change your brain in. They're really, really actually very exciting because it means it's working and things are moving and things are changing and you have autonomy over your life. Absolutely. Because if you have a test and let's say it was an opportunity test and you settle or it's a trigger test and you act out in a way that you're not proud of, then if you don't know about tests and you're not on, you know, on the pathway to manifestation, the journey can end there because you could say, well, this was a sign that I should give up. When you realize it's a test, you're willing to keep you to go through it and to go through more of them and to have the patience for the manifestation to come. So it's just, it's just so helpful to have the awareness and the insight of tests and to know that you trust the process, basically. I love that. Let's go through some examples that people have written in with us of tests and how, you know, what's kind of our insight on how they would navigate them. Okay, so this one's about rent, which I think a lot of people are are facing, especially during during COVID. My landlord raised the rent on my apartment during Corona. I still have a job and income, but feel that the rent is unfair. I can also afford this increase in rent and want to stay in my apartment, but I feel tested by this unfair ask. How can I see if this is a test to stay in my financial worth or one to stand up to what is unfair and use my voice? Yeah, that one's a little nuanced because I wonder what the unfair aspect is. If they have the means for it, they have the job. I mean, in California, at least the rents raise 3% every year, unless it's a rent controlled space. So it's interesting there. I'm not quite sure what feels unfair because it's really important when we're, you know, and I have a whole energetic description of this when COVID first hit of, you know, the opportunity of it for our manifestation practice. We can link that below if you want to re-listen, but it's really important that when we are experiencing something like a pandemic, the outside messaging isn't fully controlling our own authentic worth, our own authentic code. So that's where it's interesting, like, is she just going based off of society right now that it's unfair during this climate that things are being raised? Because if so, she actually isn't in a position because she's still, it's in fact more magnetic for her to go with the higher rate because she still has a job, because she still is able to afford this. Unless, for instance, she's had this whole manifestation that she's saving X amount of money every month in order to buy a home or whatever, then it would be testing her based on this number she set. So that's why it's a little too nuanced to address if it's a test truly or not. I think that's a great insight too, whereas like it can seem very clear like, oh, this this thing that makes me feel uncomfortable, this must be the test. I'm going to stand up to it. But tests can be so nuanced. And that's why I think that test DI is so helpful because it's really getting to the root of, okay, this situation presented to someone different could mean something completely different. Totally. And that's why it really gets to the root of what is your programming and how are you interpreting this course of events? Like, what does this mean to you? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And same thing with the text I was saying earlier, you know, when a friend said something rude in, in text message to someone else, that might not have been rude to them, or they might not have been bothered by that. But because, you know, I, I might have a habit of biting my tongue and not saying anything to this friend, what I'm individually particularly being tested in is, can I voice my concern with this friend openly and set a boundary? So it's just so, it's so nuanced to the individual. That's why it's really important to kind of journal out and get to the root of how it's presenting and what that means to you. What are the assumptions at play there? Dr. Tara, I have, I think, one that I personally am facing that I think could be very helpful for people. In fact, most of my tests present in this way uh, where I'm being triggered with resentment. And it varies, you know, who's doing what that I find resentment in. I'm curious about that from a science perspective. I think a lot of people probably can relate to this during this year. What's going on there and how do you with your coaching clients or prior when you were working with your your patients, how do you tackle resentment? 
So actually, the, the body of work in psychology that is most related to resentment relates back to childhood issues with shame and jealousy. Those seem to be the very specific emotions that are related to resentment later in life. And it also very much relates back to a resentful parent. So if you have examples in your life of a parent saying or behaving in a way that made you feel like it was resentment, and that can often continue into adulthood. So with a lot of my you know, very successful clients, there is an element of resentment towards them from one of the parents. And that's connected to feelings of shame, jealousy, or resentment with them against their peers. And so the way that I deal with it is, I mean, those are their toxic emotions. And so when you experience them, you raise your own cortisol levels and essentially you damage your own immunity. And that's why there's actually a, a quote that I really love, which is, you know, you can use the word anger or jealousy or resentment, but it's like drinking poison and thinking the other person will die. So the way to deal with it is to turn it so it's a lot like what we talk about overwriting negative beliefs and thoughts with positive ones. It's to turn it into a motivator. And so actually, this answers Jessica's earlier question of the potentiator emotion that moves you either way, but in this case, from a survival emotion to an attachment emotion. So obviously, you can do the deep work on it. But actually, a kind of, you know, a quick way to start dealing with it is, what is it about that person's success or what they've got that I want a version of and then to put all of your energy into trying to you know create the thing that you want rather than wasting your energy on resenting whatever it is that you're resenting whether it's a person or a thing so actually you know I think an interesting example is where I was telling you earlier about some of the travel restrictions in Europe and how you know to me that just feels like a big sense of lack of freedom and lack of choice and so what, you know, what I will try to do now is, um, you know, find a way to experience freedom in my life, even within, you know, restrictions that I obviously can't change because they're government restrictions. So it really is about using the emotions and the hormones that we talked about in the beginning to move yourself out of that survival feeling, which resentment is a, you know, a combination of some of those survival emotions and proactively moving yourself into the the attachment and the bonding state through trust and oxytocin. Does that answer what you were specifically asking about? Well, you know, it's so interesting. So maybe I'm using resentment incorrectly because rather than it being an envy or anything like that towards what people have, often the way I'm triggered is somebody not meeting my expectations or taking advantage of me, those kind of things. And then I harbor on it and it's like, it eats me alive. I'm so angry. Even when I do the DI work on it, it takes me a long time. One way I've been curbing it is realizing that it doesn't have anything to do with me, like the behavior when it truly doesn't, like obviously I think everybody has accountability in a situation, that it's just their wound or it's something, you know, whatever. Maybe I'm, I'm actually using resentment incorrectly. So there can be different types of resentment. And so resentment when it's feeling like someone's let you down or, or you know, disrespected you is definitely you know, a very healthy way to think about it is that it's it's more about them than it is about you, unless, like you said, you need to look at yourself for accountability. But for it to, you know, to get harbored and eat you up, it must also be triggering you at some level of what I mentioned earlier, which is that it may be mirroring something that happened in your childhood. So the reason for it to bring up such strong emotions may be because you've experienced an equivalent before and and it made you feel sad or afraid. So and actually, it kind of reminds me of this example that we were sent in about the raised rent. And it, you know, what it made me think was, yeah, absolutely, if you can afford it and you can be magnanimous about that and you want to stay in the apartment, then you could push back, but you may end up having to pay that extra rent right now. But it might tell you something about the kind of landlord that you don't want in future. So I think with resentments like this, it's deal with it now in a healthy way by looking at your own emotions. And same answer, really, moving yourself from the negative emotions to the attachment state. But also, if somebody's let you down repeatedly, you know, let's say it's a work colleague, 
think about whether you want to work with them in future. If it's a friend, think about how you manage the nature of that friendship. So I think there's a longer term aspect to it. But in the short term, it's about managing your emotional state. Yeah, I agree. And that's what I tend to do is get down to, you know, how it's it's really heavy hitting with something I experienced in the past. And then, you know, finding my way out of the survival state more into the attachment state. So that feels really, really confirming and good. I seem to have had a pile of them recently. (laughs) (laughs) So that's helpful. The whole situation in the world is just so surreal now. So we're bound to be experiencing more challenges to roles, boundaries, expectations than usual. You know, they're all under a magnifying glass at the moment. And so I do always think it's really important to say that if something happens, it's okay to feel survival emotions for a period of time, but it's about rapidly re-engaging with the positive ones. That's for your own resilience. Mm -hmm. I love that. So it demonstrates resilience, but it also builds your resilience. Yeah. This is so powerful. And I really, really loved how sort of Tess really ties into neurologically what's going on in in our brains and really understanding that I think the first step of of working through tests or working with tests if this is a new concept to you guys that bringing it to awareness understanding where you're being pushed into those kind of other emotions and witnessing it as a test and as an opportunity and as a trigger and being able to play with that energy and go in and heal parts of yourself that are craving to be healed. Perfect. Yeah, love it. Really informative for me as well. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in and we hope you take the next week to really look at where triggers, opportunities, and tests are presenting in your lives and seeing if you can start to lay the ground for new neural pathways and make a shift. Best of luck. And thank you, Dr. Tara and Lacey for your expertise and wisdom as always. Yeah. And you as well, Jessica. Bye guys. Thank you so much for tuning into the episode and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, we did. And in case you're not totally ready to join the pathway yet, I wanted to share a few of our free offerings that I'll often suggest to people as a little bit of a blueprint to get them started on their manifestation journey. The first place I like to direct people completely for free is the motivation. You can see it linked below or on our homepage as our testimony library. And it's categorized by different subjects, whether you're calling in career, money, love, wellness, and much more. When you're reading about a member's experience of what they manifested, you're actually seeing to believe and showing your subconscious that that very thing is possible for you. The second place I like to direct people is to the free clarity exercise, which is also linked below. In it, you get to try our own unique hypnosis process, learn about the science and some journaling prompts. And the best part about this You'll get a tiny taste of what it's like to go into your hypnotic state, bring your subconscious forward, and create new neural pathways while receiving clarity. And the third thing, if you haven't listened to it on this podcast yet, please go back to the episode titled Manifestation 101, where you'll learn the basics of neural manifestation to truly understand this process. So go ahead and check out those free resources, the motivation, the free clarity exercise, and the episode Manifestation 101, all linked below. And in an effort to make sure to have representation in this process series, go ahead and submit any process testimonials you have, especially to our LGBTQ plus community, our BIPOC, as well as the WISE, which is anyone in the community who is 45 and over. All right, we'll be back next week.